thank you for hosting me here and thank you for organizing this conference. Um, as you already heard, I'm going to talk about considerations for fundraising and effective altruism. And after setting this title, I realized that there might be a confusion. So this is about fundraising for effective altruist charities, right? So it's not directly applicable to fundraising for your own charity with an effective altruism. It's more geared towards what are the considerations that are useful to think about when you set out to fundraise for effective charities out there. And so we should ask ourselves, what is fundraising and effective altruism actually about? And usually these talks are supposed to start with like an endearing story, but since this is an effective altruism conference, I thought, why not start with a formula? <laughs> this is basically what fundraising and effective altruism is about. You want to maximize this sum formula. Uh, what does it mean, basically? So you sum over all the donations, so that's D, multiplied by some impact weight that you apply to that. Uh, uh, to those donations because you don't want to fundraise for any charities, you want to fundraise for the effective ones, right? And when you do that, basically in sales or fundraising, you have uh, two broad types of doing that. I've termed one of them the broad approach and the other one the focused approach. So what does the broad approach do? It tries to reach as many people as possible. Uh, there's less personal engagement, right? Because when you reach a lot of people, you don't have time to talk to all of them. You focus less on retention, more on just like getting more and more people in. You have to use simple messages because people don't have, like you don't have a lot of time to, uh, to engage with them. You use more emotional appeals because that tends to work quicker. You advocate for mainstream causes um, and you focus more on persuasion and on specific charities because those are again simpler messages. And that's contrasted with the focus approach where you basically have the inverse, right? So you tend to focus on fewer people, but that means you have more time for personal engagement, you can use more complex messaging, you have to rely less on emotional appeals, you can advocate for more advanced causes, and so on. And then you should think of these as like types, right? So these things tend to correlate with each, uh, with each other. Not necessarily, but when you think about crafting a certain message, these things tend to go together. And this is also found not just in fundraising, but in like general sales. So this is from Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, that I'm uh, reading right now. And this is a graph that I took from there, where basically on the left, you have this like broad approach that's been found like viral uh, marketing, think of BuzzFeed. And on the far right, you have what's called complex sales. So that's basically SpaceX trying to get like a billion dollar contract with the government. They don't use emotional appeals, they use fairly complex messaging in trying to like, uh, uh, in trying to um, uh, get the point across that the government should invest in them. And classic fundraising advice tends to favor the broad approach. Um, why is that? Because of the following insights. The first one is most donors do not give based on effectiveness considerations. This is taken from a study by Hope Consult 2010 version where they looked at the behavior of donors. And you see if you start with the total population of donors, right, um, if you whittle it down by all these criteria, you end up with 3% that give based on relative performance. That's pretty depressing, because that's kind of like the effective altruism reasoning that you want to try to compare charities and have donors give to the most effective ones. So a message that like focuses on relative performance is only gonna like reach 3% of the population of donors. 
Secondly, and probably related to that, most donors do not want or use a lot of information. Most of them don't even look for it. Um, if they do, they spend very little time on it, less than two hours, and they use or want to see simple facts and figures most of the time. So that's things like overhead ratios, what tends to get effective altruists quite mad if people actually want to see those numbers. And what's not on this slide is that when people do look for information, it's often to confirm where they already want to give. So they just want to look up like whether there's a scam related to a charity they want to give to or whether like, the money is used wisely in the sense of like, on the programs that they want to see in the world. Third reason, also we're all very familiar with that, most donors have biases. Um, this is one example, the identifiable victim effect. So if you show people one individual, they're far more likely to give and tend to give more than if you show them the statistic, which effective altruists tend to be very keen about, right? So all these things tends to favor that you focus on a broad range of people and just use like fairly simple messaging with like easy facts and figures and emotions to try to raise as much money as you can. But as with everything in life, there are trade-offs everywhere, including with this kind of like broad approach naturally. And to see where the trade-offs lie, we have to look at this formula again, right? Which is um, this one, and the trade-offs are with the second parameter. So the kind of like impact weight that you want to apply. And there is a very common mistake in, in effective altruism that I found at least, which um, tends to assume that the impact distribution among EA charities or so-called EA charities is uniform, right? What does that mean? There's basically a binary difference between charities that are effective on the one hand and charities um, that are ineffective on the other hand, right? Kind of looks like, looks like this. Um, I drew this so it looks very sketchy and yeah, I'm not a great artist. Anyways, this is what impact differences don't look like, right? What do they look like then? Well, it looks more like this. Again, not, not a beautiful drawing, but I think you get the message. Um, and I think this idea of a binary difference is created once you do something like this, where you recommend certain charities and not others. And this creates this idea of there are some charities which are good and some charities which are not good or ineffective. But the problem is that these recommendations or where you draw the line is basically fairly arbitrary, right? Because on the other side of that line, just below it, there is a charity that's deemed ineffective, but it's just like marginally less effective than one that's being recommended. And I would argue that if you look to the right of that line, you still see that gradient, right? So they're still within effective altruism, obviously more and less effective charities, but I found that that sometimes is forgotten. And I would even argue that the impact differences that we see are quite big or can be quite big. Why do I think that? Basically, because of this table. This is from the talent survey that 80,000 hours did last year. And there they asked, a number of 22 employees at effective altruism organizations about the relative cost effectiveness of the effective altruism funds. And there are four of them, and you see them on the right-hand side, so the community fund, the long-term future fund, the animal welfare fund, and the global development fund. And let's look at the median here. So that's um, 110 and five. So that would imply that between the least cost-effective fund and the most cost-effective funds, there is an impact difference of 20x. 
So one dollar to the global, um, uh, to the community fund, for example, has 20 times the impact of that to the global development fund. And that's even more extreme if you look at the 10th uh, percentile. There, the impact difference would be 1,000x, right? That's very, very large, and we should probably take that into account when we fundraise. Now, the second interesting thing, and which makes this a trade-off, right? Because otherwise, you could just like do the broad appeal for the EA fund, the long-term future fund, and so on. You could just focus on those with your fundraising. But the problem is um, the following. I would argue that mainstream appeal and intelligibility decrease as marginal effectiveness increases. What does that mean? Basically, the more effective a charity tends to be, the less mainstream appeal and uh, intelligibility it has. So it looks kind of like this, with the red line being mainstream appeal and intelligibility. Why would this hold? So I think there's a market efficiency argument for this. Basically, given a world where most donors care about emotional appeal and want to understand where they give and, and so on, and don't invest a lot of time into understanding charities, basically, um, even if at some point there was a charity that was highly effective, but also had high mainstream appeal and was really easy to understand. It would very quickly cease to be the most effective one on the margin. Why? Because all the donors would give there. What's an easy example to understand this? If at one point, saving kittens was the most effective thing that we could all do, probably it would not be at this point anymore because everybody else had moved into that space and given to all the saving kitten charities out there and the marginal effectiveness would have decreased to a point where it's not the most effective thing anymore, right? So you would expect the most effective things to be quite neglected and that implies that often they have low intelligibility so it's hard to understand why they have such a large impact and they don't have a lot of mainstream appeal so they tend to be quite weird. So as effective altruists, we should be like, pretty stoked if we actually care about like weird things and things which are out there because that means we might be on the right track. It doesn't follow naturally, right? Because like, like it does not follow that unintelligible things which don't have a lot of mainstream appeal are effective, but it seems to be that there is some relationship with that to effectiveness. Put in other words, if my grandma starts to donate to Miri, we should probably move on because at that point, Miri ceases to be the most effective charity out there if they are at this point, right? And now the question is, does this relationship hold not just for like charities in general, but also for charities within effective altruism? Because that's what we care about, right? Which charities should we, should we fundraise for? So we have to zoom into that part. I would argue yes, we see the same uh, relationship there. And I think that becomes apparent if you look at the kind of like funds that we saw on the table from 80,000 hours earlier. So you have global poverty, which arguably has the most mainstream appeal. It's easy to understand where that helps people. But if you looked at the table again, that was the least effective of the funds, right? And then arguably animal welfare tends to be a bit harder to understand why we should do that, has a bit less mainstream appeal, but still, um, um, uh, but is more effective than global poverty reduction. And then if you move on, right, to like long-term future, EA community building, arguably the most effective, but with the least mainstream appeal. So in that sense, I think this relationship, broadly speaking, also holds within effective altruism or between effective altruism charities. And 
With raising for effective giving, we also basically find this um, a, a, a relationship between charities. So most people who don't engage with like us personally just look at the website and just want to like quickly find out uh, find out where they want to donate. They tend to gravitate towards global poverty and to a lesser extent animal welfare and to the least extent to long-term future charities because those don't have a lot of appeal, although they might be more effective than the other ones. And now we can, to explore this relationship a bit more, we can kind of like integrate this into one kind of like curve, right? So on the x-axis you have uh, impact of, um, of charities and on the y-axis you have message effectiveness, right? And as we saw, this kind of like as impact increases, message effectiveness goes down, at least for the kind of like broad approach that I sketched. And then it becomes clear that the shape of the curve matters, right? So your, your message matters to the extent that you can fundraise effectively. Why? If you look at this graph, right, the point here is basically your optimal thing to fundraise for because it maximizes, um, it maximizes impact at the same time as it maximizes appeal, right? So this would be very good, right? The curve still decreases, so as impact goes up, appeal um, still drops, but it doesn't drop so much that it becomes like um, harmful. But if you have this shape, it decreases, and the area below the graph that I've uh, that I've filled with colors here is the kind of like impact-adjusted donations that you would have. So compare these two, right? This would still be um, this would still be pretty good, right? If it decreased like this, but this curve that would be pretty bad because then kind of like very, um, very restricted in how much impact-adjusted money you can move. And I tend to think that with this kind of like broad, broad messaging, kind of get a curve like this within effective altruism. What does that mean, right? It's the case that I think emotional appeal drops off quite quickly after global poverty interventions, but impact only starts to like, pick up at a later point. And that means that you're quite restricted in the amount of impact-adjusted money that you can move if you focus, um, if you use this broad messaging and focus on, on uh, global poverty interventions, which is still, given this approach, the best thing you could do, but in the greater scheme of things, it does not move a lot of money into the right directions. And you could argue that the same relationship holds also within different causes. So, for example, if you look at animal welfare, here you would also expect that um, uh, mainstream appeal and intelligibility drop off as effectiveness increases, right? So here it might also be better for effective altruists to fund weird things within the uh, animal welfare sphere as opposed to easier ones like vegan outreach or even the, the Good Food Institute which even meat eaters might fund to some extent. And if we have this, if this is the broad approach, arguably, given the assumptions that I, that I made in this talk, then what does the ideal shape of this green curve look like if we want to maximize impact-adjusted donations? It probably looks something like this, where you have an upward slope that peaks at the top right. So you kind of like maximize impact on the x-axis and still have like a very effective message to advocate for this impact, right? And then the question becomes, what does this approach look like, right? The green curve is basically the kind of message that gets you this relationship. 
And I would argue that a necessary condition for this kind of outward curve, where message effectiveness increases with increasing impact, is basically if you focus on just that, impact reasoning, right? If you convince people based on the impact that they can have, right? Only then can you actually reliably have this upward sloping curve, which gets you into this nice bottom uh, uh, top right area. And here it's important that you want to get this relationship reliably, right? You could argue that you can get some weird shapes where you have like a bump to the, um, to the top right because you use some kind of like emotional messaging or mainstream messaging to focus on just that right part. But I think that reliability in this upward uh, curve is really important because recommendations may change as we learn new things. Uh, room for more funding is constantly in flux. Um, charities or new charities might crop up. So it's really important that basically the message that we have reliably gets you into that top right uh, corner where you can actually maximize the impact adjusted donations that you move. Another way of putting it is, right, sorry, um, is that flexible funding is way more important than inflexible funding. What do I mean by that? So flexible funding is such funding that kind of like chases to the right of the, of the graph, right? Which consistently wants to try to maximize impact and is willing to like change based on these things. Whereas inflexible funding tends to stick to one particular thing, even given new information. So with this distinction, flexible funding is something like the Open Philanthropy Project, which is willing to change its priorities based on new information or somebody doing earning to give who constantly wants to chase the most effective giving opportunity, or the effective altruism funds who can like efficiently allocate capital where it's most needed. Inflexible funding, on the other hand, is kind of like donors who are committed to one particular cause area or to one particular organization. So, so somebody who learns about effective altruism on the internet finds GiveWell and commits a recurring donation to AMF. That's funding which is fairly inflexible because even if new information comes up, they're not gonna learn about it so they're not going to adjust where they give. And in that sense, flexible funding is much more important because it will reliably get you to the impact side of things. But obviously, also with this kind of like focused approach where you try to get to the right or top right, you also have trade-offs, right? Because they're everywhere. Um, and basically, it could be that this is not actually the ideal shape because in reality, this focused approach looks more like this, where you just, the message effectiveness also depends on like obviously how much money you can raise with that message. And if the problem with the focused approach is that you just reach fewer people, right? That's what we discussed in the beginning basically. So then it could be that it already stops at this earlier point that does not actually go right to the, to the top. And then we have to ask ourselves, how big of a problem is it really that you focus on a fewer set of people? So how bad is it that you only reach 3% of individuals with this particular fundraising method? I would argue that it's not so bad. Why? This is basically um, a toy example of why it's not so bad. The 20x is the impact difference given the median sample that um, or the median of the sample that 80,000 hours looked like. So it's 20 times as effective. And let's say that only 5% of people care about like impact. That's like rounding up from the 3% basically. And then you have the 1x from the Global Poverty Fund and 95% of people who care about like mainstream appeal or don't care about effectiveness. And still 
the 20x is a bit higher than the, than the other one, right? It was 3% three, three, three would basically be on par. But still, right, it's not so bad that only so few people care about effectiveness given that the differences between the different charities, even within effective altruism, is so big. And I think that's likely a conservative estimate. Why? Because you can actually target these like 5% of people that you focus on, right? You don't have to like take a random sample of donors. And that makes all the difference. Why? Wealth is not uniformly distributed, right? So you can, with a targeted approach, you can actually tend, like you can focus on the far right of this distribution and get the people who have vastly more capital than other people to actually contribute to these things and therefore compensate to some extent for the fact that you can reach fewer people. This is also what we find with donations, right? So this is data from the Effective Altruism Foundation where I work. Basically, again, you see this like power law distribution where a small minority of donors is responsible for the vast majority of, uh, of money that we move. So with Raising for Effective Giving last year, roughly 11 people were responsible for 85% or roughly 85% of the uh, total uh, amount of money that, that we moved, right? Where this makes basically, where, where these individuals make all the difference. And in addition to that, this group of people who has a lot of capital and wants to donate a large part of that, they seem to be particularly impact-driven. So also this mindset is not uniformly distributed among donors. So these are like Bill Gates, Dustin Moskowitz, Jan Talen, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and Warren Buffett, who all seem to be driven by this mindset of wanting to maximize the amount of good they can do. And there's also some evidence of this in the literature, that high net worth individuals tend to focus more on the impact of their donation than other people. So I think the more likely scenario is something like this, where you convince 10 people to give 1 million and you have the 20x multiplier because you focus on the right charities, whereas on the right-hand side, you, have, you, you convince 10,000 people to give $100 to less effective charities, right? And that makes a difference of 200x, roughly, in terms of the impact that you can have. Right? So I think that this targeting basically changes this equation by a lot and from maybe parity to just this being a lot more effective in terms of uh, a fundraising approach. So what to do? Basically, given or subject to the assumptions made in this talk, so about the relationship between mainstream appeal and impact, right? how big you think the difference is between different charities, I would argue that a focused approach makes a lot more sense than a broad approach if you really want to maximize the impact of the donations that you fundraise or of, of your efforts, basically. What does that look like? I think the following things make sense. The first and most important thing is you should have a model of impact differences within charities of effective altruism. Um, within effective altruist charities, right? So if you think that one of the best things you can do is fundraise for charities, this is kind of like the necessary condition if you actually want to make sure that you maximize the impact that your efforts will have. Secondly, you should focus on the right target audience, right? And I think given the assumptions or like reasoning that are presented here, you should focus on people who have wealth to give to effective charities and who care about maximizing the impact of those charities, right? And who really want to go into the weeds and like chase the curve to the top right, which I think makes sense. 
Then I think thirdly, you should try to convince, not persuade. So you should give the right reasons for giving to the right charities and not try to take shortcuts and like be dishonest in the kind of reasons that people should have for supporting even weird causes, right? Because the temptation is sometimes big when you're a fundraiser and you only have 20 minutes with somebody to basically present false reasons for doing the right thing because you think you will get there quickly. But I think there is a strong reason if you play the long game to convince instead of persuade because that builds trust and, and um, a mutual connection in the long term. Fourthly, you should gain expertise in the relevant area. I think that's basically effective altruism. So you, so, so you don't need to become an expert in global poverty or animal welfare. But I think in the kind of considerations that are important for chasing the impact, right? So what considerations lead you to this model of impact differences and be able to explain this to the people that, um, that you want to convince? And lastly, I think, it's important to pursue a long-term strategy, right? Because these things don't happen overnight. People don't part right for, for good reasons with a lot of money in the short term. So I think building long-term connections is really important as well. I mean, there's an argument here, maybe given discounts and, and AI timelines, that's not worth it. But I think those are probably far off enough to justify this strategy, for now at least. If I had to put it pithily, it's basically this. Find the individuals who want to build the next Open Philanthropy project and help them do it. Um, so OpenPhil will basically have like a large share of the impact within the fact of altruism because they can just allocate so much money. This is also illustrated by this graph. Money moved to recommended charities by GiveWell. Good Ventures basically overtook all the other donors in 2015 and continues to do so. Uh, I think the numbers came out yesterday for 2017, but I'd be surprised if the graphs looked a lot different. So here again, this focused approach on uh, a few individuals paid off for, for GiveWell. Now you could argue that, well, in the beginning they had this broad approach which only led to this, um, to basically good ventures wanting to do open film with them. But I would argue that there's probably ways of um, getting there without having GiveWell beforehand, right? Uh, maybe this was not possible five to ten years ago, but I think it's possible now. Oh, this was a bit too fast. Um, and I think it's really encouraging that more and more groups are basically trying to do that. More and more groups are trying to focus on individuals who might be able to do that. More and more groups, for example, in the Netherlands, Kelly already gave her talk with Effective Giving. They're now doing similar things in the UK. There's Zest Impact in Brazil, Founders Pledge. We at Raising for Effective Giving, obviously. So I think these are really encouraging signs that we take this kind of, uh, these kind of considerations into account. And I think fundamentally it's important that you kind of like align your messaging or distribution with your product, right? Because this is also what will hold us, uh, hold us accountable in the long term, right? Because if we cannot convince other people of our ideas, maybe we're just wrong. And I think focusing on honest fundraising for the most effective things basically ensures that we actually have to convince people and give the right reasons and not the wrong ones. And that's also, I think, the fundamental reason why this focused approach ultimately makes sense. Thank you. <laughs>